Well, last week we talked a good bit about accumulation. And you may have noticed that we're accumulating a few things up here on the chancel, and we have been throughout this series. From the first week, we have this fountain with water flowing from it to remind us as we seek renewal that Jesus promises to create a fountain of living water that will flow forth from our souls. That is the ultimate source of our renewal and our abundant life in this life. It comes to us through Christ and the renewing power of His Spirit that He unleashes in us. From the second week, we have this Karen, which is sort of an idea, not the dog, but these stones from the Scottish Highland that are, that are stacked up to remind us of sacred places and spaces in our lives. I've been wanting to do this since the beginning of the series. <laughs> Chip did that when he bought it and it kind of freaked me out. And then I said, I'm going to do that at some point. But We got this to remind us of those spaces and places in our lives where each one of us, sometimes according to God's Spirit, which is everywhere, but also often according to how we're wired up. We know there are spaces and places where sometimes we especially sense God's nearness. This is meant to remind us of those places. And then we have this stone sculpture, these circle of friends down here reminding us of our third week where we talked about the renewing power of connection and community and how God can use relationships to bring renewal and growth into our lives. So that's there for that. And then we have this block here that Andrea used. I don't even know if we intended that to be a part of the display, but it it, it made an impact. And that week we talked about the renewing power of reconciliation and forgiveness. And Andrea put that up on on, uh, Emmett's back. I think I remember as a symbol of those things that need to fall away or that we need to let, let go of. And then last week, we talked about a trellis. So this reminds us of last week. And it reminds us, and it reminds us of what we're going to be talking about today. Now, there was a little discussion about this that went on outside my office earlier in the week, a little discussion, a little potential conflict around whether or not this was actually what we wanted up here, because we wanted a trellis. If you were here last week, you know why. Um, and we what we got was an arbor. And so there were some people outside of my office kind of arguing about this. I won't, I won't say who, um, uh, but they work here. And, and, um, and they were, you know, talking, well, this isn't, we wanted, this is an arbor. This is not a, this is not, this is not a trellis. And we know that there are people in this congregation historically that have a penchant for particularity. And so you may know that too. And so if Jason stands up and calls this trellis and it's actually an arbor people are going to think he doesn't know what he's talking about and that may be true but we should at least have the thing up here that he says he's going out now what we learned through research you know is that while a trellis is not always an arbor an arbor is always a trellis so this this actually is a trellis we just wanted to explain that to you you know, before we move on so that you'll listen to what we're, what we're saying here. We were looking for a trellis, and we were, because last week we introduced the idea of this ancient spiritual practice of developing a rule of life. You know, the 
rule of St. Benedict and things like that. But we can do that in our own lives as well. And we learned that the Latin word for rule, regula, can be translated rhythm, which is why we often talk about the rhythm of life, getting our lives in sync with the heartbeat of God. But it can also be translated trellis, just like this thing right here. And we talked about how in life... Things can accumulate over time, either accidentally or intentionally. Debt can accumulate. Uh, retirement portfolios can accumulate. Health and fitness and lack thereof, all of that accumulates. Trauma can accumulate. Healing can accumulate. Stress can accumulate. Joy can accumulate. Annie Dillard, you may remember from last week, has said how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And we talked about how developing a daily rule or regular or rhythm or trellis of life can help us intentionally over time live the kind of days that will accumulate into us becoming the kind of person and leaving the kind of legacy and living the kind of life that we believe God wants us to lead. So we began talking about all of that last week, introducing this idea of a trellis for life, knowing that a a trellis can provide a scaffolding to support a vine or any other kind of growth in our garden that we might have a vision for. And actually, this can happen intentionally or unintentionally as well. In fact, when I thought about what a trellis does, I realized I actually have a very large trellis that, that is, it surrounds my entire backyard. We, we call it a chain-leap fence. <clears throat> and quite unintentionally, unless you count me not doing anything with it as intentional, which it is, that fence has become quite green when you look out there. It just looks like a living fence which is kind of nice because it provides some separation between us and the neighbors, you know, in some ways like that. At some point, that um, fancy trellis became a a support and a guide for poison ivy to grow all over my yard, which I discovered in my first couple of years there. I just don't touch it now. Um, And I've stopped just spraying Roundup everywhere because, you know, I, I keep getting things in the mail about lawsuits and and also um, because Christy doesn't like me killing our flowers. But we have this, and so this kind of thing can happen unintentionally, right? Things grow up in our lives unintentionally. We support those things, good things and bad things, unintentionally, or it can be intentional. You may have a vision for what you you want your life to be like, and the scaffolding of a rule of life can provide the support and the guidance for you to grow in a certain direction, in a certain way, with intentionality. Romans 12 invites us to do this as well as it says that we should take our everyday ordinary lives, our sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around lives, and place them before God as an offering so that we might be changed from the inside out. Or you may be familiar with the NIV's rendering, which is much like most of the other renderings, which says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, I urge you, sisters and brothers, to offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, not to be conformed to the ways of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we remember, if we look at that verse in Romans 12, 
that that transformation is not something we do on our own. We can't self-help ourselves into the image of God as we're prone to believe in this day and in this culture. We've got to participate with God's grace and God's presence and God's work in our life. And this is what an intentional rule or regular or trellis of life is supposed to set us up to do slowly over time. And so with that in mind, what I want to do right now is I want to revisit the framework, the scaffolding we talked about in broad strokes last week, looking at some of the why of it. But while we do that, what I'd like for you to do is begin thinking of particular personal activities that might fit within that framework that you've discerned and discovered over time really open your life up to God. So those three things are Sabbath, community, and work. And we've said this is rooted in the first week of Scripture. First, first chapter of Genesis. These are three things that God and human beings created in God's image held in common. And so we've laid out the rhythm of life like this, and you've got this insert again, just like we had last week in your worship guide, daily, weekly, monthly, two or four times a year, annually, in these three categories. So as we work on this ourselves, and you brainstorm about this, you just want to begin to put ideas in there so that if you're going to develop intentionally your own rule of life, you can craft that to look like something that will help you. And we begin by thinking about Sabbath, which is the cornerstone for a healthy and holy rhythm of life. The ancient rabbis actually puzzled over the words in Genesis 2, verse 2. Emmett reminded us of this a month or two ago when he preached where it says, On the seventh day, God finished God's work. It seems that God actually hadn't finished God's work on the sixth day but that God actually concluded God's work on the seventh day with one final act of creation. On the seventh day, God created manure. Not manure, if you grew up out in the country like I did, but manure. The manure came earlier with the animals. Manure is the Hebrew word for rest. And it means far more than that. It means tranquility. It means peace, it means renewal, it means harmony, it means wholeness. Or in other words, on the seventh day, God created shalom. On the seventh day, we're supposed to experience shalom. The seventh day is a day for us to experience God's peace, God's rest, the goodness of of life. Abraham Joshua Heschel, the rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, has said that the seventh day is supposed to be the day more than any other day when we experience life as it was supposed to be lived to the fullest for at least 24 hours. Now I know from talking with you all after I've talked about this before that that is almost impossible for some of us because of how our work schedule and life schedule lays out. And you, you might say, I, I, can't, I can't take any particular day for Sabbath And I I can't even take a whole day for Sabbath. And and if that's the case, or even if it isn't, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to simply examine your weekly schedule with an eye for opportunities to open up Sabbath space. For you to infuse spaces for renewal and worship and growth and holy connection in your life. 
I love this poem from Judy Brown. It's on the front of your worship guide, and I, I hope you'll take that. And you'll, It won't be the same if you just listen to me say it. So I want you to read it, because it's formatted in a certain way, silently as I read it aloud. And Kristen put a really nice image of a fire behind it. That's helpful too. What makes a fire burn is the space between the logs. A breathing space. Too much of a good thing, too many logs packed in too tight, can squelch a fire, can douse the flames almost as surely as a pail of water can. So we need to practice building open spaces just as clearly as we learn to pile on the logs. Because it's fuel and the absence of fuel together that makes a fire possible. So let it develop in the way that's possible when we lay logs in just the way the fire wants to go. Yes. How can you arrange the logs of your life and in your life so that there is both fuel and the absence of fuel? So that the fire of God's life can grow in and through your life so that it might be fanned into an ever-growing flame. What's that look like for you? What would that look like for you? This is where it can get really personal. Where you have to examine your own desires and your own personality and your own history. Ask, what are those things from my past that when I did them, God really used that to open up my sense of God's presence and my clarity about, about, about God's guidance in my life that, that nurtured delight and joy and connection in me? This is what we're talking about when we're talking about Sabbath. I've shared with you before that this may not always be true, but often people who work on a daily basis with their mind, they do more mental, mental work, that kind of work, Sabbath with their hands. And often people who work with their hands will Sabbath with their minds. That may not always be true. But, but it can be true. So we don't want to just take a strict Old Testament legalism about Sabbath. We don't do anything. But we think about the things that nurture renewal in me. So building a deck or cultivating your garden, that may be exhausting work for some of you. And for others of you, it may open you up even more to the very life of God. Some of you reading or studying, that, that's exhausting to you. It doesn't create renewal for you. And others of you, it will open you up to the very life of God. Sleeping, walking around, cooking. There are things that you do in your life that open you up to the life of God and God's renewal. God has wired you up in a particular way. I want you to learn, just like what we did when we talked about holy space, to pay attention so you can sense that way. You may think you don't have time for joy or rest or play in your life. And if you do, that is exactly why you need it. Sabbath invites us to remember that there is a God in the universe and it is not you. The universe can and will go on without you. For a day or even 15 minutes in a day. 
Sabbath, Sabbath invites us to intentionally experience this gift because God knows we're wired up not just to need rest from our work, but ultimately and ideally to work from our rest. And that is the heart of Sabbath practice. Everything will get better. Your creativity, your energy, your joy, everything will get better if you learn to intentionally accumulate and cultivate Sabbath in your life. And everything will get better if you'll learn to intentionally and accumulate and cultivate community and life-giving relationships in your life as well. A few weeks ago with the Circle of Friends, we talked about relationships and the power of meaningful relationships and how Henry Cloud has said that health in our life and renewal in our life is the right relationships and the right doses. And that way, a good relationship can almost be like Sabbath itself. I experienced some of this this past week. Something that felt for me, because maybe of a lack of some of this, is kind of an intermingling of of Sabbath in community when uh, Wes Blanton ran me all over the pickleball court in North Kansas City. Group of guys, community group from the church, met at Chicken and Pickle in Kansas City, played, staff did this a couple weeks ago too, played some pickleball together. And there was a moment in the evening where everybody but me and Wes was just on the side, you know, like sitting in the cheap seats making comments. And Wes and I were out here one-on-one, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but he's a pretty good athlete. And he was putting the ball in places that was requiring me to run like I haven't run since I was 17 years old. And I'm not built for that anymore. And I didn't really hear it because I wasn't focusing on it, but they were making fun of me over there. And I've had a couple of them tell me that part of the joy of the night was watching Wes run me all over that court. And when it went to extra points, beating me 13-11 in that game. And I, I imagine if you ask the other guys who were there, Did it look like Jason was experiencing renewal in the midst of that? That they would have said, no. But I was. Because exercise and health and competition and playing games is something that I need to manage stress and to cultivate joy and to stay in shape. And that that has some Sabbath to it, right? And because... Wes is the kind of guy that when you spend time with him, it lifts who you are. There's a little bit of that sort of joy and renewal that comes through community that happens in there as well. And all of that helps me practice gratitude and have a growing sense of God's presence and God's goodness in my life. And this is what I'm talking about. There are age-old practices that we can use to cultivate a transformation of mind. Silence, solitude, Bible reading, prayer, corporate worship, all these things cultivate the life of God in us and we need these things. They're a part of a wonderful and healthy rule of life. And they've been proven by the ancients throughout centuries to cultivate the life of God in us and to expand our life and all of that. But there are also other things that might be particular to you Walking your dog, reading a good book, hanging out with that friend, simply looking and listening to your life for what it is that God uses to open you up. This is the kind of thing I want you to pay attention to. 
This is one of the reasons why we had people in our community groups work on their spiritual autobiographies together. Because what they do is, and they share this with the group, they look back and they, they have to write a story, you have, that have done this, remember this, and they write the story of their lives with an eye toward those places where God obviously intersected with that story. Obviously did something, obviously moved something, obviously touched them in a personal way. And, and in doing that, just that practice allows them to begin to see their life, not just in the past, but in the present and the future, as something that God is actively at work in. And when you do that, if you're looking for themes, sometimes you can see, you know what, it's really interesting because when I'm in those kinds of spaces and places, or when I'm doing those kinds of activities, it seems like I've noticed a few times in my life, maybe even many times in my life, that that's when I, I really feel a connection with God. What if learning that about yourself by examining your past could help you cultivate more of those moments in the future if you were intentional about putting yourself in those places. That's what we're talking about. Sabbath, in a way that works for you. Community and work. We're going to talk more about this idea of work and vision and vocation next week, but I do want you to go ahead and start thinking about that as a part of your rule of life. Just as there was Sabbath in the beginning and, and just as there were relationships in the beginning in Genesis 1, we also see before the fall in Genesis chapter 3, work. God put human beings in the garden to steward it, to cultivate it, to work the land. This was part of our purpose. Now some of you might say, I can't control my work. I can't control when I do it or what I do. I just have a job and I go and I do those things. And sometimes our job is not our vocation. And sometimes our job is our vocation. But regardless of all of that, our attitude and our approach to whatever we do is often the key to making it something that can open us up to renewal. You know the story of Brother Lawrence, monk. It's where we get that idea of practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence would choose to, in the monastery, whether he was mopping the floor, floor or peeling potatoes, to do it with a posture of prayer, noticing the presence of God with him in the midst of it, doing it to the glory of God. It's this kind of whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God attitude. If God is everywhere, we can cultivate our ability to sense God anywhere. So your rule of life may include simply what and when you need to work, but it could also include your approach to work. How? The attitude you choose to bring with you into it in order to cultivate a growing sense of God's presence in you and around you. These are the kinds of things I hope you'll think about as we continue to build a trellis of life, each and every one of us. You worked on that a bit last week. I'd like for you to do it a little bit more now. Chip's going to begin to play. In the space of these moments, I hope you'll take that sheet. You've worked on it a little bit before. And just begin to brainstorm in those categories that we've been a little more expansive about today. What are the things? What are the things that I might do on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis that could cultivate a sense of openness to God and the growing life of God in me and through me.